0: Hello and welcome to The Change Troubleshooter. This is Nina Dar's podcast. Welcome to season five of The Change Troubleshooter. This season, we hope to inspire you to channel your inner cheeky monkey, a state of fun, playfulness and happiness that we can sometimes forget needs to remain a core part of our lives. This is episode 4, Smarter Resilience. Today, Nina talks about resilience with Rachel Robinson, founder of Smarter Group in Tavera, Portugal. Rachel tells her story of how she went from corporate retail in the UK to building a house, business and life in Portugal. It's a story of facing up to big issues, huge changes and her need to pull on her resilience on a daily basis. Together with Nina, they discuss what resilience really is and to keep going when sometimes it can feel like you have lost everything.
1: Hello and welcome to this episode of the Change Troubleshooter podcast. We are still in the channel Your Inner Cheeky Monkey season and today we'll be talking about one of the things that all cheeky monkeys have going for them. Which is the fabulous skill set of resilience. And I know no one better than the gorgeous Rachel Robinson, who is sat with me now, founder and managing director of the Smarter Group. And for those of you who may not have heard of that group of businesses, definitely worth a look up. They are based in Tiberia in Portugal, where some of you will know. We have a great connection, and I've known Rachel for a good few years now. So welcome, and it's about time we did this podcast together. Certainly isn't it? thanks for having me, it's great to talk to you today. <laughs> uh, resilience, we've talked about this so much just in our on and off stories, um, and I think really on this one, we need to take you right back you had a corporate career in the UK before you came to very gorgeous and sunny Portugal. So what was that corporate career
2: and how did
1: you go from that corporate career to ending up owning a group of companies out here?
2: Well, interesting story. Yep, yeah, I worked in retail, started with all the famous retailers, Morrisons, moved to Asda, Asda became Walmart which brought its own challenges. I'll tell you, you had to be resilient with all of that change when the American culture came in. During that time, worked my way up from the shop floor, didn't go to university, did it all the wrong way around and did my degree whilst I was working. So I went back to university at 27, did the master's. And that in itself, you had to have resilience for trying to juggle What was then a 60, 65-hour-a-week job, plus all the studies. But well worth it, so glad I did it. Fancied a bit of a change from Walmart, so moved over to the Iceland food group. And then during that time, my parents moved out to Portugal. I actually came out for a holiday and never went home.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Which is like the basis of many films. (laughs) When we talk about you having a corporate life, there you were HR, you were people orientated. Yeah. This was people in retail, which has always been was then is now a very demanding area to work in, where people have to be resilient. It's not known for great pay. Yeah, <clears throat> lots of different incentives come in to keep people happy and resilience even in your HR career must have been a massive
2: topic of conversation. Absolutely. It's the managing the people to manage the people element. So, you know, you've got to ensure that the employees, the colleagues, as we call them, were all motivated to ensure they delivered the fantastic customer service that everybody demands. And that philosophy never changes. That resilience has to remain to ensure that the customer service ethos is tip top. So yeah, in HR and retailing, very fast moving, very, very highly paced and lent itself to really what we've now structured out here. When we talk about
1: resilience, we're talking about having the mental, emotional and behavioural flexibility to adjust to whatever happens. And more commonly, we talk about it being that bounce back ability, that it doesn't matter what's thrown at you, you're just going to come straight back. Now, when you thought, God, I need to leave the UK, I need a break, I just need to go to the sun, see my parents, was that because you were feeling like being resilient doesn't mean that you don't feel the stress of a situation? I think people misunderstand that sometimes. Mm -hmm. Just because you're a resilient person doesn't mean that you don't feel the heavy weight that you are lifting doing these more demanding jobs. So
2: were you in that position? I think um, when I left Walmart, and I have nothing bad to say about Asda Walmart. I mean, I was there in the days of Archie Norman, and Alan Layton. It was a tremendous place to work. So my move to Iceland just before I came out here wasn't because I was running away from that. It was a change. I was trying to find something, trying to find... It was a bit about me, and I guess I had a bit of a Shirley Valentine moment. Kind of. I think that's how i describe it. So, you know, it wasn't a cop out. It wasn't, I just felt a bit tired. I was searching for that something, wasn't sure what it was. And I think, you know, this bouncing, you just have to bounce into the situation. I kind of bounced into it. Nobody was more surprised than me when I said one day, actually, I think I'm not going to go back.
1: One of the principles of resilience is the way that we engage with the world ourselves. It's not always about what we're looking to defend ourselves and protect ourselves from, but really how we engage with the world. So you came out here thinking you were having a holiday, but there must have been something that happened where you went,
2: hang on a minute, is there a little opportunity here? I'm um, not sure it quite sprung that way. It was like, I was quite tired. So I had a few months off, actually built a house. Oh wow! So got my boots on, got my gloves on, built a house from the foundation up, which was entertaining for a year. So that's, that's what I did for a year alongside my then partner. And believe me, that needed resilience. <laughs> <laughs> that needed some resilience. But what a great break you know I was cracking on doing something really different and mentally you were still dealing with all these challenges but it was different challenges and real eye-opener so you know I'm not sure what kept me here it wasn't the prospect of a better life per se because I went from earning x amount a year to zero but it was just that that period of reflection and time and to do something different
1: so at what point did that doing something different building a house have that light but moment and go, hang on, there's something smarter
2: here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, you're obviously immersed in the Algarve. I could see there was a gap for managers of properties. So there are a few people here doing a bit of cleaning, a bit of cleaning. I just saw a bit of a niche, a bit of a market there. So that's when we set up. We started with six properties locally, friends, neighbours, and that's where I transferred the learning from. I have to say, Archie and Alan, the the Walmart, the Asda learning. How do you adopt those principles, those customer service principles, into a property management business? Now, I'm not saying it was easy. Can you imagine, in a in a man's world, I'm a woman, I'm trying to set up a business, don't speak the language. It was tough. And what year was this? That was then 2006. Right.
1: So in 2006, you think. You'll have a dabble
2: in this. I was dabbling. Yes, I was dabbling.
1: So you start to have a dabble. You think, hey, these are transferable skills I've got. Yep, I'm I'm making my way despite all the obstacles, despite not speaking the language and everything else. You're making your way. Let's explain the smarter group. You went from dabbling a little bit, thinking, yeah, I could probably do something here, To having
2: Smarter Villas. Yep. And Smarter... Moves, which is the real estate division, yeah. So that came a lot later though. But yeah, it took me about three years to kind of get into the groove in terms of, well, quite honestly, 2006 to 2009 was the exploration period. 2009, I moved it into a limited company. Right. So that's when it really started and the six by then had become 20-something and then by 2014 it was 100 and then where we are today is 160 um, and still growing. It started off, I assume, with just you? It was me in my bedroom <laughs> and a computer and of course it was all online. I had client meetings at the property. There was no need for a big office at that point. In fact, the office only was born in 2013. Right. But now you've got a whole family of smarter people. Of smarties. We call ourselves smarties. How cute. How cute. So how many people work for the group now? So the smarter family now comprises 33 employees or colleagues. Yeah, Smarties. (laughs) Smarties. Love it.
1: I'm well, I bet there's some smarty pants in there. Probably. Exactly,
2: there are. So
1: with all these smart people and smart thinking, you would be led to believe, especially when you go to your office and speak to the rest of the team, it's a very slick operation and I've seen it. Branding's great, the website's great, you do all the social media, you have a lot of engagement So people would think, ah, this is a piece of cake. I could do that. Mm. I could just go, uproot my
2: life and just do that. That's the life I should have had. And Nina, I've seen a lot of people come and go and do that. You know, guys who come across from England think, oh, it's just a bit of cleaning. It's not just a bit of cleaning. It's all the trappings that go with it, the legal aspects. You know, they're trying to get things done through other people. Again, you're a foreigner. The foreign bit is less prevalent now. They're kind of more accepting that foreigners are here to stay and we're setting up businesses. But, you know, 15 years ago, that was a bit of a challenge. And it's not that easy. You've got to build up contacts, relationships, deal with all the legislation changes. And they are... Thick and fast all the time. You know, as soon as we deal with one piece of legislation, boom, we're on to the next. So that's the bounceability, the adaptability. You know, it isn't just about renting. Your industry is
1: change on change on change. Like, I mean, I think many industries are nowadays. But if we just think back and help our listeners visualize what this might have been like. In 2006, Tavira was actually... Not a destination place. Correct. It had just been discovered by the more traveller savvy. Yeah. The people who were still coming to Portugal for a real Portuguese experience. Mm -hmm. And then since that time, properties needed renovation. Yes. It was quite a leap for people to buy them and take them on and renovate them. There were a lot of passion projects and slowly but surely... Tavira itself has changed. I'd say in the last 10 years, changed quite dramatically. One million percent, yeah. One so million percent. the impact of that change on your industry must be huge because you go from, I imagine, even though you're an outsider to to this area, still you were providing a business, employment for local people... And it was an area where the local council, the camera, wanted investment. Yeah. And you have gone through that stage where it's, yeah, let's try, let's even incentivize people to come buy property here, invest in this area, make it all look nice. To more recently, a turning point where they're saying, uh-oh, now is a bit like Monaco. <laughs> the locals can't afford to live here anymore. That's right. And now the camera has to respond to that, which yeah. means you in your industry go from, yeah, we love it, we love it, we love it, to bam, we're going to hand over a load of regulation, more restrictions here because...
2: We need to slow down the pace of change. That's it, spot on. And this is where, when I reflect on the journey from 2006, when you were simply managing a rental home on behalf of an owner, who were earning a few quid, the owners were earning a few quid, nice rentals, great. Then legislation starts with... You've got to be health and safety conscious. You've got to have your fire extinguishers in. You've got to have a license to rent. Great, we land that. Then the taxation boundaries come in, right? You've got to now declare the, your income. You've got to pay your taxes. And this goes on and they've built, as you say, this tsunami of people who want to come here, holiday here, live here, golden visas, non habitual residents. They've opened their arms to the point now where Tavir is overwhelmed In a great way, it's got a a rich tapestry of Europeans, Americans, Canadians, Ukrainians, you name it. Everybody's here. But now it's become a bit too much. So the the government now is thinking, crikey, we just got to hang fire on all these rental licenses. So we just got to pull back a bit. We've got to provide homes for our locals. So now the latest challenge is... Actually, you can't have a rental license. So now it's everybody's fighting for the same property. So it's who's going to win. And for me, customer service wins that. It's how you treat your customer. And that's going to be the key to, you know, survival, I think, here.
1: That's industry changing for you, isn't it? That's not, I mean, I didn't even, in my little rundown there, I missed out the big impact, which was, of course, COVID. Where we? Don't... How did we forget that? <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know how we forgot that. But in that, and I think COVID hit Tavira when Tavira was really getting to the heights, starting of its... to boom. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was real boom time, and then bam, COVID hits. Yeah. Now I remember having conversations with you back in those days, where the cutthroat change professional was saying, "Clear the decks." Clear the decks, let your staff go, go back to being in your bedroom with a computer, because you need to be able to ride that out. Your response to me was, no way. Correct. I will protect my smarties (laughs) and my smarter family until I can no longer protect them, which is what
2: you did, which was a massive undertaking for you. It was, and you know... Because it was never going to last, this, this COVID, this pandemic was never going to last. And for me, it was about keeping the quality you'd got, because when it did bounce back, you needed to be ready. And that's the bit about resilience, isn't it? You know, it wasn't easy. And to an extent, we're still suffering that, because financially, it was a massive strain on the company, because the equivalent of English furlough was not great. You know, that's the commitment I made mentally and personally and physically to these guys. And I think I got loyalty back because of that. So most of those employees are still with us now. Um, and of course, at that point, the workforce was 16. Now we're double that workforce. So it's that and more. And you know, we're still, we're still playing a bit of catch up, but I think we were ready and we actually, the minute we came out of COVID, our company expanded like boom because we were ready we could handle it
1: yeah we could exactly it. you held on you dug in and i think there's a side to resilience that doesn't often get talked about which is that resilient people tend to look at the world in a certain way that they have an enormous amount of gratitude. For what's gone before, what they think will come in the future, what's around them. And I always see that in you. You are enormously grateful for everybody that's around you. And that's, and that was really important. That was a, it was a big lesson for me because that's what you were saying, really. I value all of this. You know, we've got to this point together. We will get over this together with an enormous amount of gratitude, which followed on to that element of compassion yeah. where you knew what everybody else was going through. So to make all your staff redundant at that point would have
2: been awful. I mean, correct, would, would have yeah. been awful. And at the wrong time, you know, and everybody's saying to me, well, you're not a charity case, Rach. What are you doing? You know, you, you aren't in for charity. Let these people go. One person actually said I was committing business suicide. <laughs> I disagree. What we created was a challenge, you know, so the tsunami is still rocking and rolling a bit. We're still, we're still coming out of that. And, and if anybody says to me they're not, they're liars. Because we are. We're still feeling those tremors. And I am eternally grateful for those guys. They stuck with me. You know, it wasn't great. It was depressing. We couldn't work. We could only do certain bits and pieces. But they they hung around. And I think they're as grateful as I am to them as well. Oh, I'm sure. I think there's a mutual, mutual agreement there.
1: For sure. Then the biggest element of all, I think, when it comes to resilience is acceptance. Yeah. That you have to look at something, something as enormous. You've got two things. You've got that COVID period. And then now, this new period where we don't know really... What this means, how your owners are going to feel about it, what's going to happen when new people come to town yeah. and think that they can go for that life that everybody still dreams of, and you have to give them the harsh realities of what's involved in that now. Yeah. But I think you do that with it's it's almost a you truly believe in the situation. And that there is a positive side to all of these situations. So that level of acceptance isn't just well, it is what it is. It's that well, if this is what it is.
2: So what we're we going to do about yeah, it? Yeah. How do we yeah. make
1: lemonade out of this? Yes. And that is what you do in your business. That's your business mindset
2: most of the time, isn't it? Not all the time, but most of the time. I mean, you know we're friends as well. I had a wobble before Christmas. I thought, crikey, what more legislation can get thrown at us now? But, you know, you reflect, you think, right, there's a reason for this. We'll move on. We'll move upwards. And you find a way around these things. You accept it, deal with it, and you move forward, don't you? And, you know, sometimes in accepting things, you do have to take a step backwards to move forwards. And I feel that's what we had to do. You know, some some of the property owners have not accepted this new legislation. Okay, respect that. So now that reduces our portfolio, our inventory. But then it's about right. What what do we need to do next to to bring it back up? Uh, reflection on marketing, changing communication, different ways and different strategies. So a new year, new start. Well, and that
1: leads it very nicely into my next point, which is giving things meaning is okay when people say yeah I accept it but then you have to follow through with what that now means to you the change state still has to have the same meaning or not necessarily the same meaning but the same feeling of that meaning that you had that you still love it that you're still passionate about it that you still want to find a way for these situations to flourish and that your owners must see that in you you know that they see that you will do absolutely everything for them to make this situation
2: okay and i have <laughs> like i have five mountains yeah and i think you know for me the key in all of this is you find the direction you want to go in it's communication 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 and even throughout covid all of our owners said, what makes you successful is, is you kept us updated. At first, it was every day. Every day, I was writing a newsletter or talking to them. Then it goes weekly, then it goes periodically, and so on, back to the quarterly thing. But it is about taking those people with you. And that's the colleague, the smarties that we've got, and it's the clients. The clients need to have their hands held. And by clients, I mean the property owners. Yeah, They need to be led down this path as well. Um, and I think when you've got them on side, you can be enthusiastic because you're dealing with this together, your business partners. And then
1: the last one that I've got is one that some people struggle with more than others, which is forgiveness. That and And I think forgiveness is such a big topic because forgiveness is as much about forgiving yourself as it is about forgiving others that might have done something around you that wasn't as compassionate and wasn't as with meaning that you would like them to. But but in there, it's a bit like the camera now. I mean, you must really, you know, if you bumped into somebody in the street now, you'd be like, guys, what are you doing? What's happening here? Do you know the stress that this is causing? But I imagine at the same time you would go, but I get it.
2: And we do get it, this latest reduction in rental properties. I do get it because it's for the the good of the country. Is it the right way to go about it? Not sure, but it is what it is. And we had to be cognizant of the fact that it's a solution to a problem. So forgiveness, I do forgive the council for doing these things. I do forgive them because I do get it. And, you know, we'll find a way through it. If we're giving
1: advice to our listeners, who I'm sure have already taken an enormous amount away from this conversation, but today you talked about coping strategies, really, about how you look to the outside world, to the people around you, those resources that you have around you. You don't do this on your own, do you? You No. No one's ever resilient on their own. Resilience is uniting thing it's the team it is like that family that comes together to play the part that everybody can add here so what message would you give to other people who might be you know at that start of year position they might be thinking here it goes again am I going to struggle through another year is this really going to be better can I still dig in here what advice would you give to them?
2: My advice: so nothing is insurmountable. I mean, every year you think, right, there's a new challenge ahead. Just have the strength. You are great. You can do it. And you do have to have self-belief. That's the the first lesson. Second lesson: if you've got a team of people, manage them, embrace them, try look after them, try get the most out of them, um, because you can't do it alone. But you know. Life is nothing but a challenge, and these things are sometimes sent to challenges. And at the end of the day, there's always a hurdle to be overcome.
1: Embrace (laughs) Embrace the challenge. Embrace the challenge. That's what you're doing. That's what you have done. You're coming up to a big milestone anniversary in terms of the business. Well, you know, we can all break our businesses down to lots of milestone anniversaries, and we definitely should celebrate them all. But it's an incredible achievement what you have done
2: here. Thank you. (laughs)
1: And I'm very proud to know you and to be your friend. And for anybody out there who wants to experience the magic of smarter villas or smarter moves even you try one and then you go to the other i mean that's the beauty of this combo isn't it yeah you get here and then as everybody just stares at the estate agent windows going yeah i've been here how can i live here then please look this business up and you might be fortunate enough to meet the gorgeous rachel thanks so much for doing this thank you it's been great
2: nina thank you
0: Thanks again to Nina's guests today and thank you very much for listening to this episode of The Change Troubleshooter. Nina invites you to carry on the conversation with her directly. All contact details can be found on her website ninadar.com. This has been a sun-soaked creative production.